I'm Dr. Kimberly Manning. And this is Dr. Ashley McMullen. And you're listening to the Human Doctor Podcast, where we explore the human side of medicine, along with teaching, living, learning, and all things in between. Using the power of storytelling, conversation, and connectedness. Hey, we're two dope academic internal medicine doctors, but we ain't your doctors. So if you perceive anything we say here as medical advice, no, it ain't that. Also, the things we say, they only reflect our brilliant black woman magic mind and not our employers. You could have been anywhere, y'all, but you chose to be here with us and we appreciate you. Let's Let's go. go. You and Jules are looking good this afternoon. Are we? Thank you. Thank you. How you doing? I'm actually doing well. You know, as a praise report, my insomnia has gotten a lot better. I've been getting more sleep. Okay. But my body was just like, we need like a more restorative break. So this was like a very, very chill weekend for me. And I woke up this morning, like actually feeling restored, which is something I hadn't felt in a while. Oh, nice. How many hours did you get? A lot. (laughs) Sleep is the jam. I'm telling you. It is the whole entire jam. Like if you get some really good sleep. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Telling you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, people sleep on sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Rest is reparations. Yes, 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 yes. Indeed, 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 indeed. How are you Um, doing? I'm good. I'm good. I've just had a a bit of an emotionally uh, charged um, few days. Mm -hmm. Um, Last week, as you heard, I was kind of reeling a little from some recent losses um, in my community and in my world. And um, those homegoing services just happened. Mm. Uh, You see me today, I'm still like dressed up and wearing a blinged out Tuskegee pin because I went to um, one of the homegoing services for one of my classmates. Also went to homegoing service uh, for my former chief resident's husband. It really is just a reminder to love with all your might. I'm thinking a lot about that. I think a lot about the fact that if something happened to me tomorrow, who is it that I love who wouldn't know it? Who Mm -hmm. could be like, you know what? I don't know how Kimberly felt about me. I'm pretty proud to say there are not too many people who would be like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like even the people that I am not so keen on. And that's actually not a big list of people. And fortunately, it's generally mutual when that happens to me. (laughs) I don't don't think there are people that I love that I would be like in a state of regret with or who would leave, I would leave them and they would feel regret. Yeah. And that is something uh, that I'm proud of, Mm. you know? Yeah. My son said to me the other day, which I loved. I was telling him that I was sad about my classmates passing. And he said, you know what, mommy, I would really be sad if something happened to you. Like I really would. He said, but you know, I would be okay because I feel like when you see me every day, you act like, like this might be your last time seeing Mm. me. And Mm -hmm. I was like, really? He's like, yeah. It's like when I wake up in the morning, you say, it is so good to see you this morning, which is true. I do say that in the morning. When he's getting ready to leave for school, I'll touch him and put my hands on him and say, I love you. Remember who you are. You know, you're loved, right? You know that, right? And he's like, yes, ma'am. I know that. And I do think that once you have 
unexpected loss in your life, mm-hmm. you you begin to only trust the immediacy of your joy in that moment. Yes. And I think that's kind of cool that my kid receives that, that is, is what it is. It's such a gift. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That reminds me of my grandmother, Shelly. Like, that's the thing that I hold on to, which is like, every time it was just like, you know, it's just like pouring into you, like, you know, you don't know when's the next time that's going to happen. It would never felt morbid or like heavy, but it was just very, very present. So I think that's really cool that your, your son feels that. Yeah. Because parenting is not for wimps. I'm telling you, it ain't no joke. Like, I feel like I say to my kids all the time, like, I ain't never been nobody's parent before. I'm trying to figure this out right along with you. Mm. But, you know, sometimes we get it right. (laughs) Sometimes we get it right. And one thing I do know how to do is is I do know how to love somebody. Mm. I know how to love somebody because I I know what it feels like to have been loved and cherished. Mm. I know how to do that. And I'm realizing that even that is like a tremendous, tremendous gift to actually know how to love somebody mm-hmm. and to know what it's like to cherish somebody because you were cherished. You know, I, I can endorse that skill for you. Comments on your LinkedIn page. I can fully <laughs> that you are good at loving my people. LinkedIn. You know what? Speaking of LinkedIn, I am a LinkedIn misfit. I made a LinkedIn um, page for like leadership Delta one year. Mm-hmm. And so I have one and every day I get like 12 emails that are like, this person wants to connect with you. I, I do not do anything on LinkedIn. <laughs> so if you are listening to this and you are like, why hasn't she responded to me on LinkedIn? That's because I don't even know how to use LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. You know, by the time we figured out uh, something new, will jump, jump on the scene for social media. Yes. Yes. Oh. Um, you know what? I, I um finished that book, Wellness, that I was telling you about last week. Mm-hmm. It was sublime. I loved it. I recommend it. It's by Nathan Hill. Check it out. Well, I want to give a, a full-throated endorsement of Chain Gang All-Stars. Ooh. Yeah. Chain Gang All-Stars? Yes. Goes to Incredible Audible. Incredible book. Chain. You know, it's it's by an author. His name is Kwame. Um, Donna so Kwame Ajay-Brinya. There we go. Thank you. I'm about, to, I'm about to download it right now on it. Um, Audible as we're talking. Do it. You, you okay. won't regret it. Okay. Yeah. And then I want to also give a quick shout out to Bellevue Literary Review, which had their online virtual benefit last week. And yours truly got to converse with one of my favorite poets in the last issue of BLR. You want to know what the name of his poem was? Right here. The James Webb Telescope Detects a Heartbeat. It's a poem about loss, but, you know, it explores that loss through the greater questions about the universe, the cosmos, an opportunity to both like nerd out but also appreciate like the beauty the mystery in the grief love it love it love it love it that's awesome well um i guess since i talked your head off at the beginning i guess we can transition (laughs) (laughs) yep it's your time to shine your debut after a prolonged break which I have been looking I feel like debut to. is a word loaded with pressure, by the way. I'm not, but I mean, first of all, I'm not <laughs> trying to pressure you, but also who rises to pressure better than you? Of all the times yeah. you've told me that you've shown up and knocked it out the park with very little preparation. That's the middle child in me. Yeah. Know, what can I say? I'm, I'm a middle child. I've thought about the story that I'm going to tell, mm-hmm. but I had not actually 
thought about what the what is. <laughs> Great. So, okay. Okay. Uh, tell us uh, in real time. Yeah. Know, in real time. Like what's I'm the right first on. thing that comes to mind. Okay. Okay. The first thing that comes to mind is boy, mom, boy, mom. A lot of times um, I just, I feel like I need to say this, that um, people have these ideas of what it means to have a child of a particular gender. And, um, you know, being a parent is like a crazy journey that you have no idea what's going to happen, whether your baby is, you know, a king, a queen, or a non-binary royalty of any kind, you know what I mean? So you don't know what's going to happen, but this story centers on sort of ideas of what it means to have a girl baby or a boy baby. So, you know, again, I just want to acknowledge that. So I want to take you back to when I was pregnant with Zachary Manning back in the day. It was like 2005, um, no, maybe 2006. And it was my second pregnancy. I was not freaked out anymore, just kind of walking around, living my life, not making a plan. Because, you know, when you have your second child, you have no plans. You just are like, yeah, whatever. So I already had Isaiah at home. I am one of these people who likes control. So I like knowing what's about to happen. So promptly at 20 weeks, I was like, let me see what that is there. What do you see there? I want to know. And so we were told that our child will be assigned male at birth. That would be our second child assigned male at birth. So I'm like, okay, cool. But interestingly, I didn't even need an ultrasound because all I needed to do is walk around Grady Hospital. <laughs> because baby, let me tell you something that's going to happen to you in Grady Memorial Hospital if you are pregnant and showing. Somebody is going to point at you and tell you with 100% accuracy, <laughs> the gender of your, of your baby, just based on how you look. <laughs> I mean, and I heard all kinds of things. I mean, I would get on the elevator. People would be like, oh, you got a boy there. And I'd be like, as a matter of fact, I do. Even when I didn't know yet, they'd be like, oh, what you having? You having a boy? I'd be like, I haven't found out yet. Oh, it's going to be a boy. That's a boy all day, <laughs> all day. I was always told that. After a while, it got to just be kind of like a, like a fun thing. I would probe people to see what they'd say. I remember this lady looking at me going, oh yeah, that's a boy. And I'm like, what makes you think it's a boy? She looked at me and she was like, because girls rob your beauty and your face Ooh. is still pretty. Oh, <laughs> I was like, She's like, oh yeah, your nose isn't spread across your face. You don't have acne. You don't have dark spots on your face. Girls rob your beauty. I was like, wow, that's wild. Okay. Hey. Although I do know some really beautiful women who like were beautiful through, through their pregnancy and had mm -hmm. a girl, but whatever. So one day though, I get on this crowded elevator at Grady Hospital. It's packed. This woman looks over at me and she goes, when's your boy coming? And I said, oh, in about, mm, about six weeks. I got about six weeks ago. She was like, okay, okay. This is the first baby? I said, no, ma'am, this is my second baby. She was like, oh, what you got at home? I said, I have an, another son at home. She was like, oh, okay. Um, you got to have one more then. Now, mind you, like, I ain't pushing this one out. Why are you trying to impregnate me again? <laughs> She's like, oh, you got to have a girl because boys grow up and they don't see about their moms. Mm. Girls take care of you. Mm -hmm. You need somebody to take care of you when you grow old. Boys don't see about you. They leave. And I was like, uh, I don't know if that's true. My brother is a really good son to my mother. She looks at me and says, is your brother married? It was a packed elevator. And the amen choir was like, mm -hmm, yeah. <laughs> I said, uh, yeah, he's married. He's like, oh, what is his wife like? 
I mean, I love my brother, but my brother's wife is mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Like she was like, Oh, are you sure it's your issue? You sure it's not his wife? And I was like, Dang, wow. I'm not hundred percent sure. My brother is good to my mother, but my sister-in-law is like, she is the bomb. <laughs> so I was like, huh? I'm sitting there thinking. She's like, yeah, you're going to need to have a daughter or else you, you're going to grow old and you're not going to have nobody to take care of you. And I am like really actually thinking this through. I'm like, dang, okay. So then I began asking the Grady elders in the hospital, hey, my second child is a, a boy. What do you think about boys when it comes to taking care of their mamas later? Ah, uh, yeah, girl, you're going to need you a daughter, honey, because them boys, honey, they don't see about their mama. You get old, honey, you're going to need your daughter to see about you. Damn, the boys, the boy put you in a really good nursing home, (laughs) but your daughter, now she going to bring you in her house. She going to see about you. She going to make sure you clean. Ain't got no hairs on your chin. (laughs) Wow. Okay. And I actually found myself really entertaining this, like as a thing, like where, and you know, I, I met Harry when I was 31. Zachary was born when I was 36 and I was like, not sure I was going to have more kids. I'm like, oh my God. Really actually thinking maybe I need to have a daughter for this reason. (laughs) And I'm like, this is so stupid. But then I would always be looking around in the hospital trying to see who was at the bedside. And it would always be somebody's daughter. I'd be like, and who are you? Mm. Oh, I'm the the daughter. How many kids do y'all have? Six. (laughs) All girls? No, I'm the, oh, I'm, I'm I'm the second child. I'm the daughter. I'm like, damn, the daughter would be showing up. So... That brings me to this day I was rounding in the hospital and I um, came down to the emergency department to admit this elderly woman to the hospital. She had urosepsis and uh, she had gotten pretty sick. And when I walked into the emergency department to admit her as the um, internal medicine attending, this man was sitting on a chair and he had his foot like propped up on the gurney and he was holding like a folded Atlanta Journal Constitution reading it. And I walked in and I was like, hello, um, I'm Dr. Manning. I'm the senior doctor on the team. And he stands up, he takes his hat off and holds it to his chest. And he says, oh, hello. My name is Ricky. I'll give him a name. Mm -hmm. I'm Ricky. I'm Miss Elliot's son. And I was like, okay, hi, Ricky. It's nice to meet you. We're admitting to your your mom to the hospital. I tell us everything. He goes, okay, sounds good. Okay. I said, what questions do you have for me? Asked me a couple questions and sat back down. And every time I came into that room to see Miss Elliot, Ricky was sitting in that room, lean back. Ricky was probably, you know, like in his mid fifties. Some days he had on a work uniform, but he was seeing about his mama. Mm. So I come in and I'm like, so um, Ricky, do you mind me asking, does your mom live with you? He was like, no, ma'am. You know, my mom lives near me, um, but no, she doesn't live with me. I said, oh, who does your mom live with? He's like, no, my mom lives alone, but I, I live near her. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay. Are you her only child? No, ma'am. No, ma'am. It's, uh, it's, it's five of us. I'm like, oh, okay. You're the oldest? And he's like, uh, no, ma'am. I'm not. I, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not. And I'm like, okay. But really, what I was really trying to fish for was, why is Ricky there? He's a son. Mm-hmm. Why is your son here? And I'm trying to figure out the genders of the other kids. He's like, his sister's in there. I'm like, where are your sisters at? Are they here? Are they living in Atlanta? I'm like, huh. So finally, the day comes where Miss Elliot is well enough where she can leave. And I'm sitting at the nurse's station typing a note and Ricky comes out and he's like, hey, um, I'm going to be taking my mom home. You know, is there anything else I need other than when the medicines come up to the floor? 
And I said, no. And he said, okay. I said, what questions do you have for me, Ricky? He said, no other questions. And I was like, okay. And he starts to walk up and I said, excuse me. And he turns around. I was like, Ricky, can I ask you something? Remember, like <laughs> at this point, I'm not pregnant anymore. I've had mm -hmm. my children, but I have still been holding on to this idea that maybe I'm going to grow old and not have kids who see about me. Yeah. And I get up from the nurse's station and I walk around and I say, your mother has been in this hospital for four days and I have not rounded on her one time and you were not at the bedside. And even if you weren't there, you walked in or there was evidence that you had been there. And what I want to ask you is <laughs> I am a mother of two sons and somebody once told me, and not just somebody, many somebodies have told me that sons don't see about their mothers and you are seeing about your mother in a way that refutes that. And I, and, and I, I just want to say, what is it that your mama did? Or is the, is there something that I'm missing? You are the first person to show me that that's not true. And he looked at me and he took his little hat back off and held it to his chest. And he said, Miss Manny, you know, your kids see about you if you see about them. Ooh. Mm. He said, look, man, mm -hmm. my mama, my mama saw about us every day. She made sure that, you know, we didn't have a lot coming up, but she made sure that, you know, our faces were cleaned. She made sure that, you know, we had enough underwear and clean socks and that we got big hugs and that we got food to eat. But my mom made sure that all of our needs were met, our basic needs. But then on top of that, she just made us always feel safe. Um, and I said, well, did your mom ever say when she grows old, she expected, and he cut me off. He was like, no, 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 no. Mm. He's like, it is my privilege. Wow. To see about my mom. I'm just the one that lives closest. He said, my sisters, they love my mother too. We all the same way. He said, don't let you, don't let nobody tell you that sons don't grow up to see about their mothers. He was like, I would do anything for my mother because she did anything for me. He said, look. All you need to do is just love on them and let them know how much you love them. And when you grow old, they're going to want to be there. And that's it. Mm. And I almost like broke down crying because I had, this was actually really a fear that I was holding on to. Wow. And I was like, are you, are you married? And he said, yeah, I'm married. I said, do you have children? He said, yeah, I have children. Yeah, I do. He said, but my mama is my mama. I said, well, did people call you like a mama's boy? <laughs> He's like, no. He's like, no. I just live near my mother. I'm a business owner. I'm the one in a position to be able to come over here to Grady. He said, but, you know, it don't, it don't have nothing to do with if your kid is a boy or a girl or whatever. You know, it's, it's really about what you do as a parent. Mm -hmm. you know? And if you love on your kids with all your might, it's, it just comes natural to them. They're going to they gonna want to see about you. Right. And I was like, wow, okay. I never, ever forgot that. And, you know, in this time where you often hear about people kind of, you know, celebrating the girl mom, mm -hmm. you know, girl dads, rather, girl dads and all this stuff, I always remember that, that it's not even, it doesn't matter if you're a boy mom or a girl dad or a non-binary, you know, parent of someone it really is about your kids feeling safe and loved mm -hmm. and cherished 
and the natural thing being that they want to reciprocate it. It's kind of like what I was saying early. I know how to love somebody. I know how to do that. But the only way you know how to do that is if somebody does it for you. Mm. And basically what Ricky was telling me was, I know how to show up for my mama because my mama showed up for me. Yeah. And I'm just doing what she taught me. And that was the last time actually that I ever even thought about whether, I mean, I thought about if I wanted more children, Mm -hmm. but I never thought about whether or not I wanted more children of a particular gender for that reason. I just thought it would be interesting to see what a, like a weird ass man and kid would come out like, but <laughs> well, luckily you're two for two on the good ones. So yeah, right. <laughs> you know, most days. Yeah. Wow. I mean, first of all, I'm like, I'm super humble because, you know, as, as one who is not born or reared a child, you know, I, I am still learning so much about all of the things that goes through one's head as you're like family planning on all these kind of concerns, worries, like dynamics, and particularly how other people's fears can become your fears. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that that stood out from your your story and from Ricky was just like how he talked about like the privilege mm. of caring for his mom, not the expectation, mm. not the burden. Mm-hmm. It was just like, it is my my honor to give back in this mm-hmm. fundamental way and how that is directly tied to the love he received. Mm-hmm. And that to me, is just like, it's so beautiful. Like as a mm-hmm. parent, to just like, just to love your child. And that is like literally the best thing that you can do. Right. And, and I will tell you, it's not as easy probably for some people as it is for others, right? Mm-hmm. It's not that hard for me because <laughs> I grew up in an environment that wasn't full of chaos and where the love could be, you know, front and center. Mm-hmm. Um, bec- and I say that piece about, I didn't grow up around a lot of chaos because a lot of times homes with chaos, there is love there, mm-hmm. but the chaos um, causes it to, you know, get lost. And Absolutely. I, and I, and I was shielded from a lot of that. And um, I, I just felt like such like a plume of, relief like float out of my body mm-hmm. when he said to me, oh, no, no, I'm just doing what I know how to do. Mm-hmm. I'm basically just doing what I learned how to do. You know, it's kind of, and and he said it like it was as, as ordinary as, you know, oh yeah, when I put a toilet paper roll on, I put it over, not under, mm-hmm. because that's how I grew up doing it. And mm-hmm. when I get up in the morning, I make my bed because I grew up doing that. And when people grow older, I see about them because I grew up seeing that. This is what we do. This is how we love. This is what love looks like. Mm. Support is a verb. It's an action verb. And um, I just, oh, I just love that. And I love, I love that in this little world of Grady Hospital, where people think it's gunshots and people who come from resource poor settings, which they were, they mm-hmm. were from a resource poor setting. Mm-hmm. Like there's something different about people just because they come from a resource poor setting. Nope. Love is still the what mm-hmm. it's still the thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
first of all, like, when are we going to make a book of Gradyisms? I, feel like <laughs> I know, right? Wisdom <laughs> is too too precious not to put out in the world. And two, like, you know, the beauty of just mother and child, you know, again, you know, a lot of stuff gets co-opted by these gender roles and expectations. And just to be able to see something that disrupts our narratives and recognizing like when love is at the center, a lot of that stuff kind of falls by the wayside. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the the other theme I have to kind of comment on, particularly because we just did a whole nocturnist show on on, on caretaking is just like, there's the love, there's the intention, there's the privilege, but also like the need for more ways in which people can effectively like give good care Mm -hmm. and not, you know, have to like depend on, you know, a job that lets them take off or, you know, having to navigate these really complicated home health care systems and things like that. And, you know, it should be a privilege. It should be beautiful. And we should live in such a way that we can really enhance people's ability to do so. Yeah, that's hard. I mean, I think there's, there's obviously just the 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 resources piece, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I and I will say that um, one of the things I love about working at Grady and working with our our social workers is um, a lot of times when people think that there's nothing we can do, there's something we can do. Mm. I do think that there's a there are spaces where those of us who like trying to help people make a dollar out of fifteen cents, mm-hmm. hopefully more of us will be drawn to spaces where we need to do that. Yeah. Um, but I, I think one other piece too, is, and that's often a fear of mine, which has nothing to do with gender, is that this this generation often demonstrates a selfishness that makes me feel afraid, you know, that makes me think like, well, that was just very unselfish also, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, that man was like a had a job where he could leave, but he was willing to leave yeah. and go and sit around Grady and do all these things. But I think whenever I have to have those thoughts, the thing that makes me find peace again is that, you know, like Ricky said, you, you do what you see, Mm, you do mm -hmm. what you see. Yeah. And my kids are in a space where they witness a lot of things. Like my my husband is very much a a caregiver to my mother-in-law and to Mm. um, his father's only living sister who didn't have kids if my mother needs something, my brother is really a very great role model there, better than me. And I think them seeing that, I think it just is a natural thing. Mm-hmm. Instead of me assuming that, oh, no, it's this generation. <laughs> no, it's really like the people to blame would be our generation if Ooh. we if we are the ones mm-hmm. not taking care of the people that took care of us. So, Ooh. yeah. Yeah. Harry and I often find ourselves trying hard to line our resources up so that at least our kids can emotionally care for us Yeah, and that we, we don't force them to financially care for us. Mm. And that's not always possible, Yes, um, but those things can muddy up the two, right? Yeah. Because if you already strapped financially, what you going to do? Mm-hmm. So, mm. Yeah. Child, <laughs> being grown is... <laughs> I think I'm gonna give being grown like three stars out of five. Yeah. Three stars with no comment. Yes. <laughs> Man. Yeah, I can't say if I recommend. Yeah. yeah you know. Well, 
I will say you still make it look good. So oh, I'm, I'm happy to have a friend like you and it makes gaining more years on this life less daunting. Yeah. I'll let you know how the uh, rest of the fifth row goes. Cause I'm <laughs> these fifties ain't no joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, girl. Well, um, listen, um, I, I love you very, very much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in a week of loss and, life celebrations and Mm -hmm. all that. Um, It's just important to pause and just make it extremely clear what it means to have you in my life. I love you so, so much and am absolutely privileged to be able to talk to you, get to know you, hear what's going on with you and love you. So I love you, sis. I love you too. I love you for all those reasons and so much more. All right, sis. Peace up. A town down. Holla. That wraps up this week's episode of the Human Doctor Podcast. Special thanks to our favorite brother gastroenterologist, Dr. Chuma Obiname, for the beats. Shout out to the Dr. Ashley McMullen for editing and production. Mad love to our podcast family at The Nocturnist and the Clinical Problem Solvers, our med Twitter fam. And especially shout out to all of you, our listeners. Until next week, remember, we see you and you are enough. Holla! Holla.